Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? How many of y'all already have your Christmas lights up? Y'all are the reason it's cold. You know that, right? Just saying. Just want to make that clear. Um, Not that I'm judging, because today actually we're talking about judging. You know, isn't it kind of funny how that word, you know, you call somebody a, a judge, you, that's a title, and that's a title of honor, but if you say someone is judging, that's a negative thing, right? Having good judgment, good. Being judgmental, bad. So where's the line there? You know, it's kind of a slippery slope sometimes. And today I want us to look at the Scripture, because um, one of the most quoted lines of Jesus is when he says, do not judge others. And you hear that all the time. Well, what does that mean? Well, what's the difference between judging someone but having good judgment, which we're supposed to have? So we're going to look at those things today. And if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, um, I want us to kind of delve through this and to see where, what does that mean when it says, do not judge others, and what are we supposed to do? So uh, anyway, if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, this is kind of an interesting passage. It talks out about judging. Then it starts talking about somebody walking around with a two-by-four sticking out of his eye. And then it talks about pigs attacking you. So what are you supposed to get out of all that? We're going to look at some of the different elements of it. And the first thing that I think you get out of this is, number one, is don't apply a standard to other people that you're not willing to live up to yourself. And that takes a degree of self-inspection. And that's one of the things that he talks about in this passage of Scripture. And one of the things that we have to be careful about when we're evaluating things that are going on around us is this. We need to understand, number one, we're all going to be judged. We're all going to be judged. In Romans 14, 10 through 13, it says, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance, praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. So we have, there's different kinds of judgment. The first judgment that's going to happen is going to be when you come to heaven and there's going to be a a line drawn. Those who know Jesus and those who don't. And those who know Jesus are not going to answer for their sins. God's forgiven us of our sins. But we are going to have to give an account to God for how we live on this earth. And not only that, the Bible even says for every careless word that comes from our mouth, 
we're going to answer to God for those words. The way that we live for Christ, the things that we did with the blessings that He's given us, the grace that has been bestowed on us. What did we do while we're here? And so we're going to give an account. There's going to be a judgment given. And from that, there's going to be rewards that are going to be handed out. And God's going to say, good job. And then God's going to, there, there's some of, the Bible tells us some of our works are going to be hay and straw. In other words, well, I did all these things and they're going to be tested and proved to be nothing. And so there is a lot of weight given to what we do on this earth as believers. And so one of the things that we need to do is recognize that when we judge someone else, that I'm going to stand before God and answer for the way that I treat them, for the way that I look at them, for the things that I say. And so we need to be careful about how we deal with other people, about the things that we say, about whether we're judging them. And I, I want to, we're going to get in a little bit further into what that means to judge someone else. But I'm going to give an account for it. And so am I doing it well? Am I, am I living in such a way that brings honor to God? So then it tells us not only are we going to be judged and we're going to stand before God and give an account, but there's a sense about the way that we treat other people, we're being judged for it right now. And it says in Luke chapter 6, and this is kind of a parallel verse, very similar to the verse that I read you just now from Matthew, but it says it a little bit, Jesus said it a little bit differently here. And so I want you to catch this part too. In Luke 6, verse 37 through 38, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Now, it's not talking about, in that passage, it's talking about the, the amount of forgiveness that we give to other people. Are we forgiving people? You know, the Bible tells us it's a, it's a man's glory to overlook a sin. And that when love covers a multitude of sins. And so how much do we love people? Do we love them enough to overlook sins or offenses against us? Now, there's also Scripture that tells about, hey, if you see your brother, they're doing something that, you know, that, that is clearly wrong that's against the Scripture and that is destructive, you need to go talk to them. And that's to be done in love. The Bible tells us that we're always to speak in love. You know, one of the things we need to be really careful about is you can be really right, if, but if you say it with anger and you say it in a way that's not with love, you're wrong. Even if what you say is right. And that's one of the things that we really have to be careful about in the world that we live in because we live in a society now where a lot of the things that we say and a lot of the things that we do get captured and spread to all other kinds of people through social media. Um, any, you go into a store or whatever and start to have a rant, and there's a good chance somebody's going to video, put it on, on, the, on some kind of social media. And so we need to be careful about how we speak to people. Not just because, uh, first and foremost, because of how it, it affects our relationship with God and what God's told us to do, but also because it can have a much greater reach than it might have in the past. So we need to be careful about what we put out into the world because that's going to come back to us, isn't it? It's going to come back. You know, it's, a, it's another version of 
be careful because what you sow, you'll also reap. And if you're one of those folks that goes down the road and you criticize everybody for everything or the people around you, it's going to come back to you that way. But when you can be loving and kind to people, that's going to come back too. So we need to be careful when it talks about judging others, there are some things that we've got to keep in mind. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't help people. It doesn't mean we don't tell them the truth. You know, as a believer, you've got to stand up for truth, and there's different ways that we do that. Number one, we stand up for biblical truth. You know, we're, our church is, is pro-life. We believe in the sanctity of life, that life is created in the womb by God, and that every child is created in His image and should be and has the right to live. And so listen, there are people who have different opinions about that. We believe that's clear in the Scripture. And so we should stand up for that. Because babies can't stand up for themselves, and we need to be the ones that stand up and say, hey, that's wrong. Saying something is wrong is not being judgmental. That's speaking truth. Now, if we say y'all are all evil and going to hell if you think something different, that's being judgmental. And so we need to be careful to speak the truth, but we're doing it because we love babies. And it causes damage to the people that engage in abortion. And so we've got to take a stand, but we've got to do it in the right way. That's not being judgmental. That's standing for truth. And to do that, here's part of the deal. We need to have clear eyes. Now, if you got a, if you got something in your eye, let me just ask you a question. And man, I, this happened to me the other day. You know, you, you get something in there, and it's like nothing else in the world matters because you get that thing out. Am I right? But if somebody came walking up to me, and it's a friend of mine, and somebody I trust, but they got a two by four sticking out their eye, I'm not going to ask them to come and help me with that little thing in my eye. Would you? Number one, they might hit me in the head with the two before, which I wouldn't care about. They turn their head, bang, smack me in the head or whatever. Number two, they can't see what I'm talking about because they got a two-by-four sticking out their eye, which is a little weird, but that's the illustration Jesus used. If you want to help somebody else that has a speck in their eye, you, want to, you need to be able to see it. And the way that we see it is by dealing honestly with our own lives and with the sins in our own lives. we got to be careful. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you got a big old tube of force sticking out of yours? You need to deal with that first. So He doesn't say don't help your friend. He doesn't say just leave them sitting there with the speck in their eye. He says first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with that speck. And so what do we need to do? It doesn't mean we, get, we got to be perfect to help somebody, but we need to be examining our own lives. We don't need to judge our lives against everybody else or about what people say or about how many likes we get on something on Bookface or whatever. We need to be comparing our life to the Word of God. Are you really trying to follow Him? Or are you trying to do the right thing? And then we should want to help our friends. And there's times when you need to come alongside somebody and say, hey, man, I don't know if you see this, but this is, this is not good. This is what you're doing. And maybe you do see it. But I just want to tell you, I, I, I want to help you. We all need a friend like that. But if we're going to be that friend to somebody, 
We need to make sure that our eyes are clear and that we can see and we can help. Because here's the thing about sin. The sin in your life is going to color the way you see the sin in somebody else's. When you choose to go against the, way, the, the Word of God and you choose to be a hypocrite, and hey, we're all hypocrites about something at some time or another. But here's the thing. When you choose to, to just ignore this sin in your life, it's going to color the way you see the sin in somebody else's. It's going to affect your vision. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be perfect because none of us are. But we need to deal honestly with our own lives. And we need to look carefully, are we trying to follow Jesus? I'm going to go talk to this person about how they're not following Jesus. But are they going to turn around and say, well, you're doing this. What are you telling me, though? What are you telling me for? Can they see that our eyes are clear? So we need to be helping other people. But we've got to be inspecting our own vision first. Now, there are some things that we're not allowed to judge. Okay? Now, when it comes to, if you say that, hey, this is right or that's wrong, that's not me judging it. That's what the Word of God says. And we should stand up and say, hey, that's wrong. This is what's right. We should be able to judge actions. But we got to be careful not to judge people's motives. Well, you're doing that because this, because you just want that, or you're doing this or whatever, when you start judging somebody's motives about why they're doing something, then you've crossed over into God's territory. You're trying to make judgments on things you can't even know about. You know, when, when you look at <coughs> somebody that, you know, or I do that's a preacher, <coughs> excuse me, it is my job to look and say, hey, is that scriptural? Is that biblical? But here's something that's not my job to do. You know, there are guys that, that I might look at 90% of their teaching and say, man, I don't see that in Scripture or there's not any Scripture there or whatever else it is. But it's not in my purview to be able to say why they're doing what they're doing. Like, I don't get to, well, they're just doing that for money. They don't care about blah, blah, blah. I don't know. And you don't either. And as a matter of fact, there's some guys out there that I would disagree with nearly every single thing that comes out of their mouth. But here's the deal. When they get to that part where they're telling people about how to be saved, they get that right. There's times I've heard people, they say that exactly like the Scripture says. Now, I may still disagree with them about all those other things, but I, it's not my place to judge why they're doing what they're doing. I don't know whether they're just in it for the money or they're just in it to be famous, blah, blah, blah. That's me judging motives. And Scripture tells me clearly that's not my purview. It says in Proverbs 16, 2, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. And then it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5, because here's the deal, Paul even says, hey, I don't even judge my own motives. Because I might be wrong. Here's what he says, as, it, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you, or by any human authority. And listen to what he says. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove that I'm right. In other words, just because I believe it sincerely, or I'm just really sure about it, doesn't mean I'm right. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. 
For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. So, I'm perfectly justified. As a matter of fact, I'm called as a pastor to say, that's not scriptural, what's being taught. But when I try to say, well, that person's just evil, or they're doing it for this reason, or they're doing it for that reason, that, at that point, I'm in error. And I'm wrong. Because I don't get to judge that. I can say, hey, here's, the, here's what the Bible says. Here's what's being taught. Those two things don't, ma don't match up. I don't believe that's good teaching. I don't believe it's doctrinally sound. Here's what the Scripture says. I'm supposed to do that. But when I start trying to judge their heart, I'm getting into God's territory. And guess what? What's, what I'm judging them by is going to come back on me. You know, here's the deal about motives. is You can't defend them even when somebody's wrong. When somebody tells you, well, I know what you did, but you did it for this reason. That was the right thing you did, but you were just doing that because you wanted to blah, blah, blah. What do you say? Uh-uh. You don't have any defense over motives because you can't prove them. And if you can't even prove your own motives, how can somebody else see into your heart and judge yours? Or how can you see into somebody else's heart and judge theirs? You can't. And you know what? I bet we've all done things sometimes. You know what? Maybe you gave to somebody in need. Or maybe you helped here. Maybe you did that. And in your own mind, you're like, man, I know that was the right thing to do, and I'm glad I did that. And I'm really glad that, you know, I was, uh, that person saw me, or, or I'm glad, you know, that, that this person was with whatever. You know what? Sometimes it's confusing about what your own motives are, so, isn't it? Here's what we're supposed to do. Do the right thing. Do the best we can. And at some point, God will reveal what the motives are. It's not for you to reveal somebody else's motives because you can't know them. Period. We can judge actions because those are clearly outlined in Scripture. But we can't judge motives. The second thing is we got to be careful not to judge someone else because it makes us feel better about who we are. Well, I'm, I'm better than that. I've heard people all the time, well, you know, I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm not really following God, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even kill nobody. Or, but, I, you know, at least I'm not a Democrat or I'm not a Republican. Or, I mean, whatever. We use all kinds of things to make ourselves look better. You know what? Jesus gave a specific parable about that. Jesus told this story in Luke 18. to Some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was, was a despised tax collector. Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified by God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
when we start to look at other people and we think, man, I'm better than that. Let me tell you something. God didn't put you here on this earth. and He didn't save you so that you could be a trophy about how righteous you live. He saved you so that you could be an example to the world about how big God's grace is. You're a trophy. Not If you think you're a trophy of your own righteousness, you missed it. You're a trophy of God's grace. That God gave you not what you deserved, but what you didn't because he loved you. And so be careful not to judge self-righteously and not to think, well, I could never do that. I'm better than that. Let me tell you what we are. We're saved by grace. We deserve death. But God gave us life. Not because we earned it, but because he loved us. Don't judge someone else's salvation. You know, you can waste a lot of time and turn yourself in knots trying to figure out if somebody else is saved. If they have a relationship with Jesus. It's impossible. Jesus even talks about, he tells a parable in Matthew 13 about a man who, who plants his field with wheat and his workers go out and they plant this good seed. And then the next day they realize that somebody's planted tares in amongst the wheat. And so they go to the, the field owner and say, hey, what are we, we going to do? And the farmer exclaimed, an enemy has done this. Well, should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and to put the wheat in the barn. You see, a tear looks exactly like wheat until just right before the harvest. And the way you could tell was the wheat had wheat on it. And the tear couldn't produce any fruit. And so what did he say? Hey, quit trying to figure that out before that. You're going to pull out some of the good stuff. You're not going to be able to know until the end. And so here's the thing. You can look and say, well, they must be lost because they're doing this. Or they must be saved because they're doing that. And you could be wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. Just like the person who was telling that story before, just like Jesus told. Hey, the Pharisee looked like a good dude, and the tax collector didn't. But it was the tax collector that was right with God, not the Pharisee. And here's the truth for all of us. There are moments or slices of our lives where if people looked at us, we would, there's no way they'd think we belonged to God. The parable of the prodigal son, he told his dad that he wished he was dead so he could have his inheritance then. He went out and spent it all partying with alcohol and loose women. And at no point in that time did he look like his father's son, but he was always his son. And all of us have moments as prodigals where we don't look like who we proclaim to follow. 
And so here's the deal. You, you don't know. But when the son returned, he said, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. And you know what the father said? Kill the fat calf. Clean him up. Put a ring on his finger. Give him a new robe. My son is found. He was always the son. And see, that's the thing. You can't choose and you can't decide and you can't even discern who belongs to God and who doesn't. And so we've got to be careful. Oh, well, look at what they did. They can't be saved. Oh, look what they did. They must be saved. But here's the deal. We're not to judge somebody's salvation, but we are to use good judgment. So what does that mean? Here's where it gets, here's, that line can be close. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. See, this is just a chapter or so, a few verses after what we just talked about where Jesus said, don't judge. Here's where he says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick Grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So that every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Who does that? The vineyard owner, not the trees. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. And so we are supposed to use good judgment. You know what the Bible tells us? It says don't be yoked with unbelievers. Don't be married to somebody that's not a believer. But does that mean that we just accept, well, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian? No, you need to look. I'm not saying you make a judgment whether they're saved or not saved, but here's what you should do is if you're a single person and you're looking, find somebody that's living out what they say they are. Are, are they really committed to following Christ? Do you see fruit in their lives? Do you see that they're following the Lord? Are they, are they active in a church? Are they trying to serve God? That's what you look for. But you don't get to say, oh, lost. that guy's lost. I don't care if he says. But you look for somebody that's producing fruit. Don't just assume that you know one way or the other. But we are supposed to use good judgment and not be deceived simply by what people tell us. We are supposed to inspect fruit. Hey, I don't know if they're lost or not, but here's what I do know. This one right here is producing fruit that is consistent with what they say they are. And so we are supposed to be fruit inspectors, but it's not my job to judge whether they are saved or not. We've got to be careful and use good judgment to use discernment, to be able to determine just because somebody says, yes, I'm this. And so here's, here's my teaching, and here's what you need to follow. we got to be discerning about what we listen to and about what we allow into our hearts. But we don't get to make judgments about who they are between them and God. We have to be careful. Philippians 1, 9, and 10 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters 
so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. You know, if you're in the horse industry or whatever, you've heard of the name Matlock Rose. I don't know the man, never knew him. But here's something that his reputation was, that when he was older, he could look at a horse from a long distance and be able to tell you if that horse was suitable for what you wanted them to do. If it was what he was looking for, what he was training for. But he didn't have to get right up next to him. He could see him for a distance and be able to tell. Now, that wasn't something that, that he could probably do when he was really young, but that happened because after years and years and years of being around horses, about training them, about being able to, to dis- discover what they could and couldn't do, after a while, he developed a skill. And he could see things really quickly. That's what the Scripture's saying, that we should grow in knowledge and understanding or discernment. That the more we grow, the closer we are to Christ, the more familiar we are with the Word of God, the more godly people that we're around, it becomes easier to spot a fake. It becomes easier to spot a bad teaching. You know, when I was young, I used to hear all the time, cleanliness is next to godliness. Now, they never, they never claimed that that came from Scripture. I just assumed because it kind of sounded like it. But after a while, when you start studying the Scripture, I'm like, that ain't in the Bible. Why did I clean up my room all them years? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And so now you hear something. Now when I hear something, I can tell you pretty close that's in the Bible or it's not. Now you might be able to fool me by going and finding some weird verse. But the more you learn the Word of God, the faster you're able to discern something. The faster you're able to know, is that true? Is that Scripture? Is that from God or not? You know, you hear all the time that money is the root of all evil. And that's, but guess what? That's not what Jesus said. You know what he said? Money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so once you know the Word of God and you know what Jesus actually said, Somebody can twist it a little bit, but you're familiar with it. And you can discern, and you understand, because you've grown in knowledge and you've grown in understanding. And so you're able to understand that there's a difference between judging an action and judging a person. There's a difference between saying, that teaching is of God, or it's not, and and trying to say, well, that person's saved or they're not saved. They're good or they're evil. That's not my job. you got to grow in that. Now, the last part, it's one of the hardest parts, because all of a sudden he's talking about pigs now. And here's what Jesus says. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They trample the pearls and turn and attack you. And you know what? That's always made me a little uncomfortable because who am I to say if they're pigs or not? So am I supposed to say, oh, you're a pig. You're a pig. That's not what Jesus is trying to say here. You know what he's trying to say? He's saying don't throw things that are of God to people who don't care about the things of God. You see, it's not my job to go out and try to get lost people to act like saved people. Hey, man, if you'd change this, then everything would be better. I'd be more comfortable with it. That's not my job. 
You know what? If you took the finest, most cultured pearls in the world and took them down to a pig pen and threw them out there, the pigs wouldn't go, oh, cool. These are really valuable. They don't care about pearls. It's an example. What would they do? They'd probably come over and see if it was something they wanted to eat. And if not, they'd just stomp on it and walk on. And so here's the thing that we're called to do, is we're not called to go out and convert the world to try to act like Christians. And here's another thing. We are supposed to help people, and there's times when we go and we got to confront them about their behavior. But let me tell you something. I, I'm very careful about that. I don't go offer unsolicited advice to everybody that I come across. I don't go to people and say, hey, man, your life would be a lot better if you do this. If you come and ask me, I'll tell you. And then there are people that I've developed a relationship through the years that, yeah, I might go to them or they might come to me and tell me if something's harmful or if something's not according to the Word of God. But it's not my job to go out and tell everybody because most people don't care. You know, I've, I've had people come here and they come up to me after their first service and they say, hey, you know what, I could really help you because if you do this with your music or you do this with this or whatever this, and you know what my response is? Hey, thank you. Who are you? Who, who, who are you? And why, why is your opinion and what you think can you show me that in Scripture? Or can you show me for me that you have this, this life of experience that I should listen to? Because otherwise, I don't care. Now, you've been coming to church here, you've been serving, you've been, you've been showing that you're living a life that's trying to follow God and you come and talk to me about something. Now, now I'm going to listen. But here's the deal. Until people give you permission to speak into their life, why do they care what you think? They don't. And so don't go throwing out pearls in front of people that ain't asking for pearls and they don't care about pearls. You walk into somebody in a, in a restaurant and you go and tell them, hey, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong with your kids. Let me tell you how to do it right. They can care less what you think. You got to earn that. You know how you earn it? By loving people. You show them you love them first. You show them you care about them, you're willing to invest in them, then maybe they'll listen. And our, our number one job is not to try to correct a behavior. Well, if I could get you to look more like a, a saved person, it's to tell them about the good news of Jesus. That's our job. And so that's what Jesus is saying there. He's saying you, you can go out and try to tell them, hey, you need to correct your behavior, but that really doesn't fix anything. And guess what? They don't care. Our job is to go out and tell them, hey, God loves you. You know, John 3.16 did not start. Man, the world is a really messed up place. It'd still be true, wouldn't it? But that wouldn't resonate with people. John 3.16 is, is the most well-known verse in the entire world. And the reason is because God so loved the world. That resonates with people. Now, 
Do we need to stand up for what's right and what's wrong? Absolutely. Are there times that it's not going to be popular? Absolutely. Are there times that it's necessary to do it anyway? You bet. But the number one thing we're supposed to tell people is that God loves them. And he loved them enough. He showed it. He proved it. He sent his son to die for you. And so you know what? Even if you could go out and get people, if you could get the whole world to stop cussing, I mean, that'd, that'd be cool. But that doesn't mean there's any more people going to heaven, does it? So our job's not to go out and stomp out sin. Our job's to go out and tell people, you're loved. Now, I'm part of that. When we love people and we tell the truth in love is that there's a separation between you and God because of your sin. That's part of the message. That's the line between judging and using good judgment. You don't just accept everything people tell you. You don't just allow it into your heart and into your mind. You use good judgment. But our greatest responsibility is to tell people about Jesus. That's why we're here. And so what I want to ask everyone to do is to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to know, and what God wants you to know is this. There's three simple things. It's really simple about having a relationship with God. Sometimes even simple things are hard for us to grasp. Sometimes the most simple things are the hardest things. But here's the truth. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And when we sin, we're separated from God because He's holy and we're not. But there's a solution, and you have to believe in that too. You've got to know and admit you're a sinner. You've got to ask forgiveness of your sins. But you've got to believe in Jesus because Jesus is the solution for the problem. He's God's Son, God in the flesh, without sin. And he died on the cross in your place for your sins and for mine. And he rose on the third day. And when he did that, he proved that everything that he had said was, was true and was right. Because no one else had ever done that. It's in the scripture and it's historical fact. Jesus rose from the grave. The third thing is, is you've got to grasp and take that yourself that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and the way that we do that is by trusting him and putting our trust in him as our savior and confessing him as Lord Romans 10 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and so here's what you got to do. 
If you would like to know that all your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you're in, you're in right relationship with God and that that's forever, not only for the rest of your life here on this earth, but also for all eternity, here's what I want you to do. I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation where you do those three things. You ask forgiveness of your sins. You put your faith in Jesus and you confess him as Lord. And so if you'd like to know those things, that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, you can pray this with me right now. You can just repeat it after me or you can pray it in your own words if you'd rather. But pray it in your heart and pray it with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I ask forgiveness of my sins. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess Him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I want to ask you to do. I just want you, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, I'm not going to ask you to say anything in front of anybody else, but I want you to look up at me and keep looking so I can pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, you look up at me right now, okay? All right. Okay. See you. All right. Okay. All right. I see you. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's important that you, you tell someone. And what we would love to do is for you to tell us so that we can sit down with you and answer any questions you might have and also to tell you about the next steps in following Jesus. We don't want anything from you. We're not going to ask you for anything. We just want to help. And so there's two ways you can do this. You can text. There's a number on your screen. There's a code that you can open through your phone. It's in your bulletin or it's on the screen. And just text to that number one word, SAVED, S-A-V-E-D. And we would love to get back with you and set up a time to talk either by phone or in person answer any questions and talk to you about those steps. If you'd rather do it today or you'd rather talk to someone today, in a moment, one of our pastors will be here at the front and they will dismiss us with a word of prayer. And all you need to do is come up to them afterwards and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. And we can talk to you today or we'll set up a time to do it whenever works for you. And so I want to encourage you. You prayed that prayer and you meant it. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. And you belong to God. Jesus is in your heart. And life from this point on is going to be different with Him. You're not going to be perfect. No one is. But you prayed that prayer and you meant it. The Bible says you are saved and your sins are forgiven. I want to pray for you right now that God would encourage you and that as you begin your new walk, that you would find all the blessings and all the joy 
that he has for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for those that trusted you today, that asked forgiveness of their sins. And Father, we know your word is true, that you are faithful and righteous, and you forgive all of our sins. Father, thank you for that. I pray that those who prayed that prayer would find the church the right place for them to grow, whether that's here or somewhere else, and that, Lord, you'd help them, guide them, teach them. And Father, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of their spiritual journey. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.